Fox Sports has a Skip Bayless problem. Plus, later in the episode, we get a look inside the unique work Comcast is doing in the sports tech startup space. It's Wednesday, August 16th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Undisputed, one of the most established sports talk shows out there, has undergone a makeover since Shannon Sharp was pushed out, and not everyone is pleased with the new look. Joining me now is Front Office Sports senior writer Mike McCarthy. Welcome, Mike. Great to be here, Owen. So what does the post-Shannon Sharp Undisputed look like, and how is it being received? Well, the post-Shannon Sharp Undisputed looks almost exactly like Stephen A. Smith's first take. Uh, I think the, the reception by some people inside of Fox has been negative. There's been some poor reviews on it. Uh, for the one thing, Owen, they're asking why the show went off the air for two months only to come back and almost carbon copy uh, Stephen A. Smith's rotating guest formula on First Tech. And second of all, why is Skip insisting on going outside of FS1 and F Fox to find new talents when he's got plenty of young up-and-comers he can work with inside FS1? So there's a lot of questions, and it looks like we're not going to get any answers until this show finally comes back on August 28th. Yeah, I want to get into both both parts of that. So yeah, do we have any insight into what's going on with this break? Is it just that Skip wanted to take a vacation? We do have some insight. Uh, I think what happened is the Shannon Sharp departure happened sooner than Fox was ready for it. I think they were caught flat-footed. Uh, they didn't have... Uh, a ready-made successor for him in place. So they took the quite risky move, I think, of basically taking the show off the air for two months. Uh, now, you know, shows go on hiatus. This is television. That happens all the time. But I, I think it's risky to, you know, let your audience go untended, if you would, for two months when they could just, you know, click over and watch first take. So that was one thing. They, they weren't quite ready. They were caught uh, flat-footed. Two, I, I think uh, it comes down to Skip's control of the show. He micromanages the show. He has final say on uh, who will be his uh, sparring partners. So, I mean, it, when you have that kind of control, it's not easy to get things done quickly. Everything has to be signed off on by Skip, according to my sources. Yeah, and, and I have to think that the uh, the Stephen A. carbon copy thing can't be any coincidence. I mean, in, is Skip, is he trying to chase Stephen A.? Is he trying to be Stephen A.? What's going on there? Well, you know, Skip is truly a pioneer in this space. I mean, he really established Embrace Debate, and I would argue that he saved Stephen A.'s career 11 years ago, and that Stephen A. owes his current success uh, directly in many ways to Skip Bayless. However, if you look at the situation, uh, the student in Stephen A has become the master. Uh, his show is number one. He almost triples the audience of Undisputed. And here's the old uh, dinosaur himself, Skip Bayless, basically replicating his idea of having a rotating guest every day of the week uh, to debate rather than a full-time debate partner. So uh, it certainly seems like uh, the worm has turned in the relationship between the two of them that Stephen A now has the upper hand by far. And on that point you made about how Fox is not tapping into, you know, its well of of young talent that they could be bringing up, you know, and to potentially be the next 
Skip Bayless, you know, when that time comes. Uh, but for now, to be on his show, do you think they, they're looking just for people that you've heard of already? Or or is Skip intimidated by, maybe intimidated is the wrong word, but uh, does he not want to, you know, be uh, training as heir apparent? Uh, you know, uh, Owen, that is the, the $99,000 question right there. What is the, the point of all this? Are you going to go out and hire a bunch of people who are retreads in the business? You know, Rachel Nichols has cycled through CNN and ESPN, and we all know what happened with her and Maria Taylor. Keyshawn Johnson just got laid off uh, from ESPN. Richard Sherman, a lot of potential, but a very raw talent, has only been on the air one year. I mean, these are all people who've kind of worked and failed, quite frankly, at other places. Not to diminish their talent or their ability, but... It certainly seems that Fox has a ready-made solution there at FS1. I mean, where's Nick Wright in all this? When they hired Nick Wright, you know what I mean? The Fox people were talking him up as the next Skip Bayless and the next Colin Cowherd. Well, if he's the next Skip Bayless or the next Colin Cowherd, why don't you put up him against Skip? Some people are saying that Skip doesn't want Nick Wright because he doesn't want anybody who could beat him in a debate. He wants to be number one, first among equals, as you know, as always. So there's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of questions. And you just raised some great ones. And there's still no answers. Yeah. Yeah. Well, glad to have you to uh, you know keep tracking this one. Mike McCarthy, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. Up next, I spoke to Jenna Korath, who runs Comcast Sports Tech Startup Program. Comcast owns NBC, the Philadelphia Flyers, the Wells Fargo Arena, where the Flyers and 76ers play, as listeners of the show are well aware, also owns the Golf Channel and numerous other properties, plus they have deals and partnerships throughout the sports world. What Jenna is in charge of is a program that leverages these tendrils to work with startups that have found a way to add value to some of the biggest groups in sports, such as NASCAR, the PGA Tour, the Premier League. That conversation is coming up next. I'm joined now by Jenna Karath, Vice President of Startup Partnerships and Head of Comcast NBC Sports Tech. Welcome, Jenna. Thank you very much. I want it's a pleasure to be with you today. Yeah. So you run a pretty unique program. I don't know anything quite like it within and it's within the, the Comcast universe where you've got startups coming to you to um to, you know, to go to the next level. Just start from zero here. What is this program? Absolutely. So when you think about Comcast and NBCU and Sky, we have deep connections and roots to sports. We get to tell the stories of these amazing athletic achievements of teams, and we have sports rights and sponsorships. We're in stadiums from a Comcast business perspective. And this is really our way to invest each year into 10 startups that really push us beyond the status quo. It lets us um, test and pilot technology to bring a about a better, more immersive fan experience. And so we look at it as really building off of those media rights and those sponsorship investments and giving these startups an opportunity to work with decision makers um, across our organization, whether that's NBC Sports or Sky Sports, Spectacles, we own the Wells Fargo Center and the Flyers. That is an amazing playground of, of advisors and um and an ability to really kind of showcase your technology and reach millions of fans. But we wouldn't wanted to take it further and bring in NASCAR, bring in PGA Tour, WWE. We have three Olympic teams, again, because it builds off of our media rights. And so we're super excited to have our newest partner, Premier League, come on board. 
Yeah, yeah, very cool. So yeah, you've got some very high profile partners here, some of the biggest names in the sports world. And of course, there's a zillion different entry points as to how a technology company might, you know, assist in those companies and be valuable to those to those leagues and media entities. Uh, what are some of the, um, the, the companies or just the, the areas that they're working in where they've found a way to actually be valuable to say the Premier League or WWE? Absolutely. So um, we have eight strategic investment areas. One of the ones that is always one of the strongest and most important for us is media and entertainment. And that could be everything from making the fan experience more immersive in the home, um, remote production, broadcast efficiencies, things like that. If you look at our current cohort now, so the 10 companies that are in our six-month innovation program, about 90% of them have something that can bring the in-person fan experience alive and almost blend the world between the broadcast living room experience and um, the arena. And so Aircast is a great example of that. You can use your mobile device to get alternative camera angles, replays, listen to the broadcast audio when you're there live in the game um, and at the match in the stadium. And so that's just an amazing opportunity um, for Aircast to test and pilot their technology, which they've just recently done in the... um, San Francisco Giants versus San Diego Padres in that Oracle Park environment. And and we like to say that if you can solve things in a stadium uh, where there are hundreds of thousands of fans all on Wi-Fi, then you have something that can really scale in the business. And equally so, you see other opportunities. Um, Fan saves is a really interesting one. Um, The Chicago street race for NASCAR, first time. Um, in the streets of Chicago. Uh, But that was a really great opportunity for a lot of NASCAR fans new to Chicago to figure out, well, where do I want to go to for a restaurant? Um, And so they created um, Fan Saves allows fans based off of following their favorite teams and leagues to find discounts and savings. And so it became this resource guide for the fans that were coming into Chicago for that race. So those are two just really timely examples in our current cohort today. Yeah, and I was just about to ask, like, where might fans have seen these things in the wild or even use them, you know, whether that's at a Flyers game or, you know, watching watching golf or something like that. Um, Are there others that, you know, would um, that come to mind in terms of something that a a fan has probably seen? Yes, absolutely. Um, I would say, you know, one of the lenses that we look at closely for each of the partners is, you know, is it going to deliver cost savings? Is it going to deliver business operational efficiencies? Or is it going to unlock new revenue? And I think Book Seats is a great example of unlocking new revenue. So if you're familiar with our um, NBC golf business, we have obviously a cable Um, channel dedicated to that. But we also have Golf Pass and Golf Now. So it allows you to book your tee times. And one piece of it that was really missing around sort of the whole lifestyle of sports, go watch, play, learn and get better, was the travel component to it. And um, so Book Seats is now the official travel engine for Golf Now. So you can book your tee time and you can book your hotel and your airfare accommodation. So if you want to get a bunch of friends together in Phoenix um, to play on a golf course out there, it takes the load off of making that a much more seamless experience. So you've got 10 startups per cohort. How many do you start with in the selection process and how do you narrow it down? Oh, that's a big, uh, big task indeed. Uh, so for this current cohort, we had a little over 900 applicants. Right now, 
Our funnel is about 1100 for cohort four. Um, so it is a big taunting task to get to the, even to the top 50. And that starts, and we're doing it right now through innovation discovery sessions with each of the partners in the consortium to understand what are their needs, their priorities, where are the gaps in the business. That helps us tailor it down to the top 50. And we rely heavily on our operating partner, Boomtown, to do that. Um, they co-invest with us. They help us in that whole selections process, curriculum development, all of that. Um, so they get us to the top 50. And then there's a three-week period where all of the sports partners are able to review presentations, live product demos, videos from the teams, and get to know the technology a little bit more. And they actually s- score them. Would it be relevant to the business or not? So we take all of that data, qualitative, quantitative, that narrows it down to the top 25. And then we interview the startup teams. Uh, So they come in, they get um, a good 20 minutes to pitch the business. We ask a bunch of tough questions. We have the Zoom stacked with um, subject matter experts to really make sure that the technology is far enough along and enterprise ready for us to test and pilot it. Uh, then they exit Zoom left, uh, we score them again, and then we have a healthy debate. And in that healthy debate, it's amazing to see sort of the perspective of what WWE brings to to the conversation and why they want to tackle the problem and what they've tried before versus NBC Sports. So we find there are more commonalities in terms of innovation needs than there are differences. And that helps us select 10 companies that have relevance to more than one partner in the consortium, where we have line of sight of how we'll test and pilot that technology. And um, and then ultimately, you know, first and foremost, we're investing in the team, the belief that that's the team to get it done. Yeah. And it's crazy to think that you can make it to the top 25 out of a thousand and you still have less than a 50% chance of making it to the, the end. Hopefully the process itself is, you know, uh, a valuable one anyway. In terms of the, um, you know, the, the separate needs of, say, the WWE versus the Premier League versus the PGA Tour, all very different entities with, you know, very different presences and approaches. Um, you know, what's, you know, I, I'm actually struggling to decide whether to ask, like, what's the same or what's, what's what are the differences between, um, you know, what they're looking for. But, you know, you can just kind of take that topic for however you want. Yeah, I think um, across the board, fan engagement is just really important and it's getting closer to fans and understanding uh, why they're consuming the sport, what their behavior looks like. That's why fans say is as they're redeeming some of these discounts, that gives you a little bit of a picture of what fans are doing around and during your different events. So that's one example of it. FanFest also in our current cohort, they allow you to stand up um, virtual TV shows and bring in fans virtually from anywhere in the world. Um, Sky Sports use that around a couple of Premier League matches where they didn't actually have rights um, for those matches, but could bring in fans that are passionate and want to advocate for why their particular team is going to win and why. And so it gives them relevance um, along social um, platforms around different high profile events. So those are two really good examples. And actually, you said something earlier, Owen, that um, is worth mentioning 
We have companies that have applied um, as early as 2021, and we've nurtured those relationships because maybe the innovation need wasn't as big of a priority at the moment, or we were concerned about some of the dynamics out there. You know, the pandemic obviously impacted sports quite a bit, and it took a while before we could get fans safely back um, to cheering in person. And so there are two great examples, FanFest being one of them. They um, they made it to the top 25 um, the last year's go-around for cohort too. And this year, it could not have been better timed for what they're able to do with Premier League, with their summer series coming up here in the U.S. Um, And Rivalry Tech is another great example. They build technology that allows you to order food and have it delivered right to your seat. And it may sound easy on the front just to, you know, put up a mobile ordering app, but actually the complexity goes all the way into the kitchen and the kitchen management system that, that is tied to this to make sure that when you're placing an order, it's only going to show a pickup or a delivery window where the kitchen can accommodate that so that your hamburger is going to arrive hot. And they do everything from Chicago White Sox, uh, New York Mets, They're also behind the scenes um, providing a lot of the technology platform for Uber Eats and a lot of different scenarios. And that one's just a great example of, uh, you know, sports is a great proof point um, because you have so many fans coming together at one time, but they're finding equally um, a great deal of success within the hospitality space, hotels, uh, Margaritaville being a great example, and also hospitals. It's the same use case there where doctors and nurses, they have a short um, window of time where they get a break and they don't really want to spend it standing in line in the cafeteria. Yeah. Yeah. Fascinating. Um, Just to wrap us up here, how have you seen the sports tech space evolve over the, the last few years? I would say it's been fascinating just to watch how much, um, Fans are fluid. They're changing. They're moving around. They'll follow their favorite athlete if they're traded to a different team. And so understanding fan behavior is just so much more intriguing than it was before. You have so many streaming platforms. You have direct-to-consumer opportunities. So we're finding more and more that anything that gets our sports organizations closer to understanding fan behavior is a huge win. Um, Anything that can... um, accommodate fans in the property as large as a Daytona where you can fit 17 football fields right in the infield. Um, Those are similar challenges that WWE has because they are, you know, a traveling um, event production team, but they're going into arenas where they don't own the infrastructure. They have not determined who those um, vendors and partners are, and they have to figure out how do you create that same amazing WrestleMania event there. Um, and then turn around and do it um, a few weeks later in other venues. So we've assembled a really unique set of strategic advisors out of the the um, Sports Partner Consortium. And it, they're really invested in testing and piloting and experimenting. And we always say to our, our startups in the program, the North Star for them should really be about you have an opportunity to test and pilot and earn your way to a commercial deal. And that's verifying that you've got real uh, sustainable product market fit. Um, If we're willing to pay for it, it's truly a need and a problem worth solving. It's revenue coming in. So they're continuing to build a sustainable business. And then that just de-risks our initial investment. Yeah. All right. Very interesting stuff. Jenna Karath, thanks so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Pleasure being with you, Owen. 
That is it for today. If you're enjoying the show, share it with a friend. And if you are that friend, hit the subscribe button. We have the biggest news in the sports business world and fantastic interviews every single weekday. Thanks for listening. We will see you tomorrow. Thank you.